let's go to the Lord. And uh, I feel like God did give me something good to talk about today, and I'm excited to be here. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you that in our weakest moments, God, you are strong. I thank you for the love that you've shown me, for the church family that, you've, that you're birthing here, God. I thank you my wife made it through surgery well. I thank you my daughter is healthy, God. And I thank you, God, that you haven't left us. You haven't forsaken us. But Jesus, we invite you here. Let us make much of you today, Jesus. Jesus, you are wonderful. Speak your word and help us to leave here closer to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, what we're going to talk about, I've been thinking a lot about the gospel. Um, just had a lot of time on my hands where there's not much to do but think and, you know, hope, wish you were sleeping. But, but I couldn't sleep, so I got to think a lot, and I thought a lot about the gospel. And in my, in my life, I, I'm a teacher. I've been an educator. Some of you guys know that, but I've taught a lot of different random things. I've taught third grade PE. I've taught high school physics. I spent most of my time teaching math and science. I taught U.S. history. Um, but when I taught physics, you know, you, you talk about, you know, some of the laws that govern the universe. That was kind of um, one of my favorite classes to teach. We did a, a experiments, tried to keep kids from electrocuting themselves, and, you know, we did all kinds of cool stuff in class. But one of the things we talked about um, was Newton, you know, and he has a, has a few laws, but his, his third law, and we could put that up on the screen, it says, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's a blue slide. It's number five, if you're looking for it, Dan. It's all right. Dan is filling in. Rachel, my daughter's at home. But for, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And then it gives a little bit more explanation. But one of the ways I used to teach it when I had to teach in, in physics classes, I take a balloon, something just like this right here, and I'm going to try to blow it up. And what you have right now, you guys have had, you've all seen balloons. You have a balloon, it's filled with air. The balloon is elastic, it's made out of rubber, made out of latex. And so there's, there's a lot of force trying to get this air out of this balloon. And when I let go of my fingers, what you're going to see is that the air from this balloon, it's going to actually go down. That's the direction the air is going. But when it does that, the balloon, I hope that doesn't hit anybody but Caleb. Okay, good. Uh, but when the balloon, when the air goes down, the balloon goes up. Because for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. You saw how slow that was? I'm in pain, people. That sucks. All right. But for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And so you, you did it with a balloon, and sometimes you could bring in a skateboard, and you could be on the skateboard and push off the wall. But I figured the last thing I needed to do was be on a skateboard right now. I almost got David Murray, who's a really good skateboarder, to do it. But then I figured he'd make me look really bad. So I said, no, we won't do that. But for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's the way this universe works. That's the way things work. And I think that's the way the gospel works. So we're going to try to tie those two things together. And um, so let's go to the scripture. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 1, slide 3, we're going to put it up there. And um, this is the book of Matthew, chapter 9. And it says right there, this is talking about Jesus. It says, in getting into a boat, he crossed over to the other side and came to his own city. And behold, some people came to him and brought him a paralytic. I'm sorry, lying on a bed. That's how I feel right now. I should be lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take your heart, my, take heart, my son, 
your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. And keep going to verse 4, for it says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, What do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, take up your bed, and go home. And he arose and went home. And the crowd saw it, and they were afraid. And they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. It's my idea, and I think it's true, that a lot of us, we don't really understand who Jesus is. We don't understand why he did what he did and and why he works the way he works. It's hard. And in fact, if we had a God that we could fully understand, he's probably not God. He should be a little bit bigger than us if he's going to be God. But we sometimes we just we're, we're clueless when we don't have to be clueless. We can come to some understanding of Christ and some understanding of how he works. There is a limit. There is, there is the unknown, the mysterious, and, and how it all works together we won't get. But we should be able to go as far as we can go. And I want you to think about what Jesus did because he wants you to know that he has the authority on earth to forgive your sins. See, I believe Jesus heals. I believe that healing is not just physical, but that it's spiritual, it's mental, it's emotional, it's relational. I believe Jesus came to restore, and he wants us to know that that is what he does, that is who he is. And I believe that it, it happens as a result not of our good works, not of what we've done, not of what we earned, but because of who he is. And I love this story because these guys, they bring a paralyzed man to Jesus, and they just want the man better. They obviously, Jesus saw their faith, so it wasn't an easy trip. I think about all the modern conveniences we have today that make, like, it's pretty easy, considering. I mean, like, we have these diapers that you could just tie them up and they're done, you know. Imagine, I think about that back in the day. Like, that's what I've been thinking about. When you didn't have, like, these easy throwaway diapers or, 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 or a washing machine that you could just put dirty clothes in, that you'd have to walk down to the well and get some water, like, it would just be a lot harder. All right, there's no rolling carts. You know, the, there was carry your friend, your paralyzed friend on a mat. And so they drag this man to Jesus on a mat, and all they want is for Jesus to heal him. And Jesus says, no, your sins are forgiven. What? That's not why I'm here. I want to walk. I've experienced a just very small little bit because I'm not paralyzed. But when you can't move, that's no bueno. All right, that's not good. When I wanted to get up and I couldn't get up and my wife is there and the baby's crying and, I, and all I have to do is fight the pain, but I'm like, oh my gosh. You take moving for granted. You take the ease of movement for granted. You take all these things. And this guy, that's all that he wanted was he wanted to be able to walk. He wanted to be able to move. But Jesus looks right through him and said, I'm going to give you what you really need. Your sins are forgiven. Because that's the greatest problem we all face, is, is not having our sins forgiven, not having the sickness in our souls healed as, that come as a result of sin. You look at this world, and there are some sick people out here in this world. You can't even watch the news without wondering, what is wrong with people? 
There's a sickness. There's a separation. There's, there's something that is at the core of our being that is way more important than physically walking. But Jesus doesn't stop. He says, your sins are forgiven. The people say, what? You can't do this. You can't forgive sins. And Jesus says, basically, do you want to bet? And he's like, to show you that I can forgive sin, to demonstrate the fact that I have authority over everything that I want to have authority over, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now who can't forgive sins? They were mad at him. They were angry at him. In fact, physical healing is a sign that Jesus is there. If you read in the gospel, it says the kingdom of God came. There was physical healings and, and demonic oppression being broken and blind eyes being opened and people getting delivered and the forgiveness of sins. It's just a sign of what happens when Jesus is there. See, I believe in healing, but my back hurts. You know why? Because I believe I'm actually on earth and this back is, is just part of life and sometimes your back gets hurt. Sometimes God heals you with a prayer, and sometimes you go to the chiropractor or get a shot. It's real. And I believe salvation works because Jesus is real. So the other week we had somebody, Dan, he got his ear. They said his ear got healed. I don't know if Dan's lying. God's going to be mad at him. Don't lie in church, Dan. That's not good. But he says his ear hurt. It burned. It was messed up. He came up and got prayer, and now it's better. Don't know. Don't know why that happens for some and not the others, but I do know in the Scripture that that kind of stuff happens when Jesus is around. So I expect that kind of stuff to happen when he shows up. Does it happen the same for everybody? Not even in the Gospels or in the Scriptures did it happen. Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. All right? Some of you guys wish the doctor would tell you that. You know what you need? You just need some wine. Yes, sir. Doctor's orders. No, but that's what they told him. You know, some, nothing wrong with medicine, nothing wrong with, with any of that stuff, but sometimes God likes to show up and show out, and it's not about anyone here. It's about him. But I do want to talk about the gospel of Jesus and the good news and about what happened in the gospel. Now, the gospel in its purest form is the, is the life, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. It's the fact that he came to this earth, he lived a perfect life, he died a death, he didn't have to die. God didn't leave him in the grave, but raised him up, and that he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. That is the gospel. That's all that it is. But that matters, and that should cause a reaction. That action that Christ did should have an equal and opposite reaction on your life. That's what I'm going to try to talk about today. Hopefully I don't mess it up. If you want to know a good way to think about the gospel, and, and I came about this, up with this this morning, but right here it says, the gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. God's goodness and grace overcame sin, Satan, and separation so that people can experience God's love, life, and liberty. If you want to look at some truth that happens in the gospel, it's more than that, but that's a good way, place to start. That the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it matters to you. It took care of sin, 
It defeated Satan. The separation that you have from God is no longer there. That paralyzed man was lying there, and Jesus looked at him, and he knew his heart, and he said, your real problem is not that you're paralyzed physically. It's that you're separated from me spiritually. You need forgiveness. Here it is. Your real problem beyond anything else is not the pain you feel in your body, although I think God can heal that. It's the sickness in your soul that if he doesn't heal and redeem and cleanse, will kill you and destroy your life. And God's goodness and grace, something that you didn't deserve, came in the gospel. And it brings you life, love, and liberty, sets you free. And so we're going to look at that, and I want you to think about the death, the resurrection, the life of Christ. The first point I want to put on there is that the Son of God became a man... That's the action. So that the sons of men could become sons of God. See, when the word became flesh, something happened. That was the action in red. The reaction is now you can come and become part of God's family. Jesus entered into history, entered into humanity through the womb of Mary and became a baby. And that was a big deal. He left the throne of heaven and became a baby. Babies pretty much can't do anything. At least mine can't. Eat and poop. Cry, sleep. Repeat. And sometimes not in that order. And sometimes all at once. All right? That's just about all that they do is they're eating, poop, crying, sleep. Can't even smile yet. Think about that. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, came as a little baby, so that he became part of our family in a sense, so that we could become part of his. The next one. The innocent one was condemned, that's the action, the reaction, so that the guilty ones could be free of condemnation. Jesus was innocent when he went to the cross. They sent him to the cross for talking about forgiven sins. They sent him to the cross for overturning tables in the temple and stop making religion about money. And, and they sent him to the cross for, for, for healing people on the Sabbath. Was not guilty, but yet he died condemned. The verdict was passed by, by the law of courts, and they said, you are condemned, but he was innocent. That was the action. The reaction is that we who are guilty get to be justified, called innocent, called just as if we've never sinned. That is a big deal. If you really believe that, you would pray much more powerful prayers because we come to God like we're not justified, like his blood has not cleansed us, but you are cleansed. Not because you earned it or deserved it, but because that's the reaction that happened. When the innocent one was condemned, you were set free. You have life. The next one I want to put up there. It says the holy one was broken so that the broken ones could be restored. He went through a lot in his life. He was broken in every way possible, starting even coming as a baby, a helpless. I mean, Jesus did not pop out the womb and walk around with a beard and a little robe and I'm starting my ministry. He came like a real baby. I don't think he had a beard. One of my kids was really hairy. He had hair on his ears, but no beard. And all of them were just about the same helpless. Think about that. The Holy One came helpless. Couldn't even wipe himself. Babies are so helpless. I think that's why God allows you to forget what it's like having a little baby. All right, the first baby we had 12 years ago, 
I don't think about all the bad parts. But now I'm living some of the tougher, harder parts of staying up in the middle of the night. It's only been not even a week yet. And I'm like, dear God, what do we get ourselves into? Jesus, this is so hard. I need you. But Jesus was right there in a very similar situation. Back before there were diapers and wipes. Think about having no wipes. Good God, he didn't even have wipes. What were they doing to that poor little bottom? They were tearing it up. The poor little baby, the son of God, became flesh. He was broken, even starting at a very early age, just, just broken up until the point where his closest friends at the end of his life leave him. The people that he spent the most time with abandon him. Somebody sold him out. He was broken in every way, relationally broken, physically broken as his beard was ripped out and his back was whipped and, and thorns were shoved into his skull. And people beat him and they spit on him. And they said, prophesy now, prophet. And he died naked on a cross, just mangled and destroyed. That was the action. The reaction is that no matter what you're broken with, God can restore that. If it's a relational issue, that's taken care of. If it's a physical issue, I believe that's taken care of. If it's an emotional issue, a spiritual issue, it's all taken care of because the Holy One was broken so that broken ones could be restored. In fact, it says, by his stripes were healed. The next one, the humble servant received all authority so that the boastful Satan, or so that boastful Satan would lose all of his authority. Think about this. Who did God choose to give the throne to? The servant. The one who became a servant. In John 13, one of my favorite verses, it says, Jesus, knowing that God had given everything into his hand, that he'd come from God and was going to God, takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, and washes his disciples' feet, the ones that would leave him in a few hours. The servant. Jesus became a servant. Humbled himself. The devil is boastful. What did the devil do? Jesus, I'll give you all of this if you worship me. I'll give you all of this if you just deny him. Throw yourself down from there. Like the devil is prideful. God, the action, Jesus humbled himself and he gets authority. The reaction is the devil thought he won. It said they would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they would have known he would have been disarmed on the cross. Jesus tricked him. The enemy has no authority in your life. Like, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to talk about him all the time. But some of you guys, you know, you think, oh, the devil's really going to get you. Oh, I made the enemy mad. I don't even think about him. Do I think he's real? I do think there's spiritual forces in heavenly places, high places that, that come against us. But, but I'm not worried about it. I say the prayer that Jesus told me to pray. God, deliver me from the evil one. Keep me from evil. Lead me not into temptation and move on. Some of you guys today, you might be just afraid. I know there's some people, they, they just they think the enemy has more power than he actually does. The next one, the all-powerful became powerless. Think of him in, as a baby in that, those swaddling clothes so that the powerless could be made powerful. In Christ, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, Right? Do you believe that? Do you feel that you have power? I was calling on that power when I touched that hospital floor. 
I was like, dear God, you know this is against everything I believe in. And I put my hand on that floor. And I said, ugh, that's just nasty. All right, if you work in a hospital, I don't know how you do it because everything in there is gross to me. I just assume there's all kinds of diseases all over the place. Kind of hospital and then motel room. I don't know which one is worse, but I try not to touch stuff in either of them. All right, but at that point, and that's true, all right? It may not be right, but it's true. They're both nasty. At that point, you call on something's greater than you. You ask God for something that you don't have in yourself. If you've never gotten to the point where you're powerless, then you cannot receive God's power. People say, Chris, you know, how do you do what you do? And I'm like, because I know it's not me. Like, I don't put, I didn't do anything. It's him. And when you become powerless and you can admit that you have nothing in yourself and you can say, God, you have to do this. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in and empowers you. That's, that's the action and the reaction that happened in the gospel. The next point, and we have a couple more and then we're done. The one who lives in constant communion with the Father and felt rejection. Or he felt, felt rejection so that the rejected ones could experience communion with the Father. Jesus came on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a lot of debate about exactly what that means. But one thing I do is that those who are far off can now come near. That Jesus came all the way down here to get us so that we could go all the way up there and live in communion with the Father. See, I work now in the school system. I don't teach physics anymore. I teach people how to to work with kids who are troubled. And one of the things I know is that one of the biggest impacts on a kid, and this is just the truth, is a father. When there's not a father there, nothing against mothers. Mothers, we need mothers. I could not do what my wife is doing right now. She has a whole level of grace and mercy and physical stuff that allow her to take care of that baby in ways that I cannot. But you still need a father. You need your dad. Some of you don't have that, and and, and I'm so sorry, but uh, I know you need him. And I know it affects you and it impacts you when, when a father is not around. And, and for some of you guys, the, the father's not been a part of your life and it's nothing that you could do or nothing that, that, that your mom had anything to do with. It was a choice that he made. And you know what? You're paying the price and you're dealing with that. And I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to put anything on you. But the fact is that you need a dad. And if you don't have a dad, it, it hurts and it causes trouble. You need God to be your father. You need them. Fathers are different. You know, fathers, they can give you a look and straighten you out sometimes. I come in the house, I just look like I'm crazy. I'm like, what's going on? Kids are cowering, running. And then, but you know what? When when something's heavy in the house, not that women can't do it, but it's a little bit easier for me. I've got some physical stuff that my wife doesn't. Dads can be protecting, dads can be caring. And that's who God, he wants to be your father. There's a reason we call him father. Some of you guys, you might not know your father. Or maybe your relationship with your father is is rough. I believe God can heal that. In fact, I'll give you my my example. Um, Me and my dad, you see my dad who drove here early this morning? Hey, dad. He came early to tow the trailer so that I could take a little bit more rest. For a long time, we did not get along, did we, Dad? 
No, like bad. Like we, I mean, as bad as it could get, it was. Then something crazy happened. Now, you may not believe me, but you know what? I don't care because I was there and he was there. This guy was at church and he preached a sermon. He said, if you need to forgive somebody, you need to do it. Grow up, be an adult, and forgive that person. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's scripture. That's kind of how I am. And he said, anybody in here that needs to forgive somebody, I want you to come up to the front right now, and I'm just going to pray for you. So I was like, all right, I need to forgive my dad. So I walked up to the front, didn't know the guy. God didn't know me. He looks at me. He says, God, heal his relationship with his father. Just like that. No music playing and no, like, emotional thing happening. Just very simple. God, heal his relationship with his father. I was like, in my head, I'm like, that's cool. He didn't even know I was having a problem with my dad. But that was cool. Went home that night. We didn't have cell phones back in the day. And so we went back into the house. I was in the teenager, walked into the house, and my dad was in his room. And usually, you know, I would tell him I was home because I couldn't text him. That wasn't an opportunity. You know, I mean, I just, I opened up the door and I said, hey, dad, I'm home. Now, I don't know if he remembers it like I do, but I remember that we looked at each other and for some unknown reason, we both teared up. And I said I was sorry for everything I've ever done. He said he was sorry for everything he's ever done. There was no warm-up. This was the conversation. Hey, I'm home. (laughs) No warm-up on his part. He wasn't at church. I don't even know what he was watching on TV. I mean, maybe he was listening to Cats in the Cradle or something. I don't know. but, But I have no idea what was going on with him. But we're sitting there. And we both just had this moment, and our relationship has never been better. Like, it's been good. Now, do we, we're both men, we're hard-headed, we're stubborn, but God brought restoration there. And with you and your dad, I believe it's possible, or, or somebody in your life, that it is possible, because Jesus knows what separation and rejection feels like. He's experienced that in the worst possible way, and he knows how to heal that. He knows how to restore that. We sat there, we cried, we talked. It was over. I mean, it's been good. I just know he could do that. And that's the cool part. Like, I want you to know there was no, no craziness in the church, but I believe in the power of prayer. When I, so when I say, hey, if you're dealing with this, come up for prayer, I believe a simple prayer can have an amazing, amazing impact. Like, this was the prayer. God healed the relationship with his dad. And I probably forgot about it when I got home. So just know that God can move. The next one, the living one died so that dying ones could live. We are dying. Proof of the fact is, 12 years ago, this body was a lot stronger. I could have slept on that hospital couch and got up and been perfectly fine. Currently, body weak, body dying. It's just the truth. 12 years ago, two hours sleep. I'm good. Not so much anymore. Things don't move like they used to. We're dying. But the living one, Jesus, the author of life, the author and finisher of our faith, the living son of God died so that the dying ones could live. That's the action. That's the reaction. And this one right here, I just want to put it on there. I just think it's true. It's the last one. It says, the son of man on the throne of heaven 
The Son of Man, I should have put the word sat. Forgive me. A little bit busy this week. The Son of Man sat on the throne of heaven so that the sons of men can stand here on earth. Now, you're going to need to take a stand. And when I mean take a stand, I mean sometimes you just plant your feet down and you say, I'm not moving. I believe this is truth and I believe this is right and I, I believe this is what I should do. And, and though everyone else leave, I'm putting my foot down here on solid ground. And the only reason we can stand here on earth is because he's sitting down on the throne in heaven. You don't stand in your own strength. But stand against the enemy, stand against the lies of the enemy, stand against the lies of culture, stand against everything that comes your way. Stand against hatred, stand against bitterness, stand against sickness. I have a good friend who just this week got diagnosed with breast cancer. You got you to stand. It's like the three Hebrew children in the fire, Lord I know my God is able to protect me, but even if he doesn't, I'm not bound down. I know my God can heal me, but even if he doesn't, I'm not turning my back on him. Stand in faith. Standing, if you think about standing, look at the way we're, and I'm done right here, and I was a science teacher, so I think about science. Most mammals, right, they don't walk like us, right? They walk and they got four legs. Well, when you got four legs, all of your like inside stuff, they're protected by these ribs. We walk like this. We're not protected. We're right here. It's scary to stand up. All this stuff is open. If I was walking around in all fours, it's all like covered and you, you kick me or something and you hit a rib. But, but right here, I, I, I put all my stuff out in front of you. I got to be brave, Right. I could get hurt standing like this. But that's what being an adult is. It's realizing, yeah, I might get hurt. But I'm not backing down. And I'm not kneeling down. And you still might get hurt. But you make your choice beforehand to be a a man or a woman and stand up. And so I went through a couple things here today, and, and we're going to have a fellowship, and I would love for you to stay and to enjoy some good food. We have several different types of chicken coming from fats. They said, Zane said, give us your chicken. And they said, okay. So the most popular chicken meals they have, we have it. It's free. Please stay and hang out with us and enjoy um, some time. Uh, the other thing I want to make a quick announcement is Easter save the date. There might be some really big news. I can't give you all of the details now, but Easter is April Fool's, right, for April 1st. My two favorite holidays all rolled into one. is going to be a special year. But I invite you guys to come. There's going to be some big news. Hopefully I can let you know next week about what that big news is. I thought it could be today, but I just wasn't. But those are the announcements. But before we end, because God is good and God is real, we're going to have some altar time. And when I say by altar time, I mean, this is not really an altar. It's still the theater. But by faith, this can be a place where God can meet you. If you're dealing with anything, if, you feel, if you're just feeling broken, broken today, and you just want God to put the pieces back together, let's pray about it. Do you know it can work? 
If you're feeling powerless today, and you feel like there's something that you've been struggling with, and you just don't have the victory, and you want God to empower you, let's, let's pray about it today. I, I think it works. If you're feeling unloved or rejected, like God has just turned his back on you, come up here and let us say a few prayers for you. Would you just bow your heads right now? Would you just close your eyes? If, if God has been working on something in you, maybe you've been feeling rejected. Maybe you've been feeling powerless. Maybe you've been feeling broken. Would you put your hand up right there where you're at? Powerless, rejected, broken. That's not the life God has for you. Jesus went through that for you on your behalf. I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come forward. I'm not... Ms. Gail, if you can come up here. I promise you with all of my heart, I'm not doing this prayer thing stuff to embarrass you. It's not for my ego, but man, I know it works. You weren't there almost 20 years ago in my father's room when God healed that relationship. And it started with a moment just like this. So if you have anything you need prayer for, come let the church be the church. I'm going to invite you guys all to stand with me right now. If you put your hand up, I'm going to invite you in a few seconds to come down here. If you didn't put your hand up, but you know, you know what? I should have. I'm going to invite you to come down here. But first, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room at the sound of my voice. I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that Jesus Christ came. He died. He lived a perfect life. He died. Though he was innocent, he was condemned. And God, I thank you that he rose again. And I thank you for how that impacts us, that we have not lived perfect lives, but we are declared innocent, God, and that we can come alive and we can be raised in Christ Jesus to heavenly places through our faith in you, God, not of our own works, but because of what you did and what you've already accomplished for us. You could do one of three things right now. You can hang out and worship the Lord a little bit. You can come up here and receive prayer, and there's several people that I know you should. Or you can slide on out and get ready. Our fellowship will start in a couple minutes after we're done with some prayer time. But those are your three options. I hope you be blessed. Have a great week.